Welcome back, friends. It's amazing how fast two weeks can feel, but here we are again, back to learn more from people in the field of wellness. I have two amazing guests today, and this conversation started because of a LinkedIn post that I put up, and I will read it briefly for you. I posted, as I continue to meet healthcare professionals thinking and acting well outside the box, I can't help but brainstorm about the changes needed in our medical training. What if actual patients taught a class in medical school or pharmacy school for that matter? They would effectively provide the students with another lens, a perspective they may not otherwise have. And I did include go on to include more content there, but that was the beginning of a conversation and a few amazing people commented that they were either already doing this work or also wanted to be part of that type of momentum and movement. So today I brought on two people who commented to that post, Julie Fuller and Ashley Anderson. Julie Fuller is a patient engagement manager with Patient Power and has the privilege of sharing the stories of patients living with various diseases and chronic medical conditions. Giving a voice to patients within numerous disease communities is her passion. By sharing their healthcare journeys with others, patients are empowered to affect better outcomes for themselves and others. Ashley is a clinical pharmacist who has practiced in acute care and sports pharmacy for nearly two decades. While practicing in Colorado Springs, she implemented several pharmacy innovation products, including a transitions of care program called RX Concierge and advanced training of farm tech for ED and pre-op med histories. She's currently a generalist at a small community hospital. Outside of the setting, she trains other pharmacists to work with elite athletes. She's the founder of the International Sports Pharmacist Network, which established integrity standards for involvement of pharmacists in sports. I'm thrilled to have both of these amazing ladies on with me today to share not only their insights, but also what they've learned professionally by diving deep into patient experience and engagement. And I know that you'll learn a lot. I'm excited to bring it to you. Here's Julie and Ashley. All right. So thrilled to be here today with one of my new friends. I feel like I make new friends all the time. And even though we're not geographically near each other, we uh, can certainly share insights like we're going to do today. So I'm really happy to invite Julie Fuller to the podcast today. So, so happy you agreed to be with us today. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. I'm excited to um, have a conversation with you. I've been yeah. following you for a long time. And so I'm eager to be one of those people that gets to talk to you. <laughs> oh, so fantastic. Uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time here uh, with me and our listeners. So before we get started into sort of the meat of the topic today, I would love to know what true wellness means to you. Oh, true wellness. I, I think really, if I not, you know, just off the top of my head, it would be um, wellness involves, you know, physical and mental and actually spiritual wellness, just having that sense of um, peace and feeling like I'm in a good place in all of those three areas. Mm -hmm. Peace is such a powerful word. And um, so I love that you use that. That's actually why my company's named Peace Advocacy Group, oh, because nice. I feel like peace encompasses so much just in one really short, you know, five letter words. So I love, I love that you included that. So fantastic. Well, we're going to get started today with a topic and we're going to have another guest pop on um, as she's available. So it'll be sort of a panel and it'll, it'll, you know, transition to a panel in a little bit, but we'll get started with Julie first. So I would love sort of a synopsis of your journey and what led you to the amazing work that you're doing today. 
Oh, it's been, you know, it's, it's been, I, I feel like it's been a short journey, but not really. Everybody has different, um, you know, medical issues as they go through and, and, and parents and friends. So you, you kind of have a relationship with that, you know, with healthcare from that perspective. But also when I started working as a um, patient engagement manager, I really um, started just connecting with people living with different diseases and, and you know, various, you know, chronic medical conditions and realized just how important it was for them to be able to like share, share their story with others, you know, in the healthcare industry, you know, it could be pharmaceutical, it could be um, medical professionals, um, other patients um, for on different levels, because I, I saw how much it empowered them to be able to have someone listen. And, and, and I think that's so, the more I see, the more I realize how important that is for each individual to have, you know, like their medical professional, to really understand who they are as a person. And I just think it really, um, it, I, I think it can impact better outcomes for that individual patient. And then also for future ones too, that would be, um, you know, maybe if it's a medical professional. So I just feel like I, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be able to, um, to work with patients in, in all various disease states and um, be able to share their journeys with others. So I love the work that you do. And I didn't even know there was such a title. And I feel like, you know, my former <laughs> self, like before starting this company would have loved to have had a title like that. So patient engagement manager is your title. Yes. What that sounds amazing to me and probably to many <laughs> listening, because I think a lot of us are on the same page here. Tell me what that means. What do you, what is it that, that you do? And it can actually, when you look at there's two different versions I, I feel like out there um you can have a patient engagement manager who might work for a medical office and they're they're just engaging the patients um you know with their with their care um and that's different with what i do with mine i'm you know i'm finding patients um you know through organizations or through you know friends who you know in particular have a certain um medical condition and I will connect with them, hear their story. And then we share their, um, their story with um, our customers who are usually um, the pharmaceutical companies who are, they're trying, I think they've, you know, have the industry has been able to see that they need to really get to, you know, learn the patient's um, journeys and stories. And that's where we come in, where we are able to find the, um, these patients for them and be able to connect them. And that, so the people who are creating these treatments or, or drugs who are in the lab, who never really get to know anyone who is benefiting from these drugs, that's where this comes in, that these people can, you know, can share how it impacts their lives. And I just feel like it's, it's such a, not a win-win, but a, such a good um, positive um, influence for both sides, for the patient, because they really do. Um, every time I, I meet with one and they've you know, been part of a focus group or an interview, um, they just come away and like, oh, I didn't know how much you know, it would impact me by sharing my story with these people. 
it really just, you know, it's so wonderful. And then you talk to the, the um, pharmaceutical, um, you know, company, their, their associates, and they're like, we would never have known, you know, and it just inspires them to keep doing the work that they do. I think that that's so important. And so many times I've thought, you know, how would I, I hear the patient stories every day and I know them on a level that just from a time perspective, you know, their team just isn't going to know. They aren't going to know because I spend so much more time honed in on this one person versus, you know, the multitude that a physician or other practitioners seeing in every day. And so, um, I totally get how somebody, you know, one of your clients could see one of these patient stories and say, I would have never known because how would you, how would you ever know? So what, what types of things, obviously without anything that you can't share or any details of any individual person, but what types of things come out in these stories? Um, is it mostly the benefits of a specific medication? Is it the entirety of their experience, like in the healthcare system? What are, what do these stories look like and how are they being delivered to, to the pharmaceutical company client? That's a good point. Well, a lot of times there, um, you know, we will work on, um, a project where we're doing kind of a round table discussion with several people in a certain, um, you know, living with a, a chronic disease and, they're trying to understand what like the daily life, and this is probably something more that you see where they're trying to understand um, the day, you know, the daily effects of that disease on the individual. So I think that's really important for them. And again, it's probably something more that you understand that you probably get to dig in even deeper with your individual um, patients um, that you work with. But that's one area where you just kind of, you understand like the unmet needs that these people um, are living with. But then on the other side, if we're doing you know, a video or an, you know, just a one-on-one interview for the, for the I'll call them patient, you know, individuals, um, I feel like they come, across, they come out of that just um, feeling a little bit more in control of their healthcare of their, you know, of the care that they're getting because they didn't realize until they really shared the story, how much they have done, you know, how much work is involved in um, getting the best, you know, best care. Um, And some have gotten, you know, great care. And some have said, it's taken a while for me to get to the right um, medical um, professional or the right doctor group, whatever it is to get the answers. Cause it can be really frustrating depending on um, their diagnosis, how long it might take for them to get the right diagnosis and see, you know, the, after sharing their story, they really, I think realize just how much they have um, gone through mm-hmm. to get to this point. Yeah. Really good points. Because I think even as we, we change in our daily lives, whatever we're, we're working on, whether it's health or otherwise, we often don't see the um, incremental changes that happen over time. And so when we start to reflect, it's like, wow, that's been quite the journey. Do you find when you reach out or your team reaches out to patients, are they really excited to share their story? Do they feel like it's not going to even be heard by the right people or nobody's actually going to care? I'm curious as to how that, how that looks. That's an interesting question because um, surprisingly, most of them go in and I, I so appreciate that they are, they 
volunteer to talk with us because I feel like they do kind of go in a little skeptical going, oh, you know, I'll do this um, and, and share it, but they don't think anything will come out of it. And every time we finish an activity, they're like, wow, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have known that I would feel this way or that it would be so positive, um, you know, coming out of this and, and also emotional. Oftentimes, I think, you know, like you were saying that there, you know, incrementally, you, you just kind of deal with it piece by piece and then having them um, share their story. I think it does um, prove to be emotional for them to see just how much they have endured and, and you know, how far they've come. And, and it's very cathartic mm -hmm. for them to get, you know, get to that point um, by sharing. But I think if they, they would never have said that at the beginning when we first reached out, I don't think they, I've never talked to anybody who has said, oh yeah, I think this is going to be, you know, really positive. They just are really, you know, they want to share. They want to, if they, they always say, if they can help others, then they are willing to share their story. That's great to hear. I I've actually had several clients tell me once they've sort of gotten out of the acute stage of wherever they're in and they've gotten to a more stable place that that's ultimately what they would want to do. They're often asking me, how do I get involved in like support groups where I can, you know, potentially either lead them or share my story so that somebody else knows that I've been through it. They're not alone. And so I think that they like their stories, they want to come out and their journeys are intended for others to hear and to know that, that they're not walking this alone, that others have walked it. It um, reminds me of my favorite Ram Dass quote, which is um, in the end, we're all just walking each other home. And, um, oh, and it, that. and I feel like this is, this is why it's so important to hear, to hear the entirety of the story. What does the journey look like? And it's not just you know, the important thing is not just getting to the next doctor's appointment, but you know, how are you feeling in between and what has led up to this and what, it, what is your future? What do you want your future to look like? And, and it's a whole story. It's not just a snippet. Um, and even multiple people that I've interviewed on the podcast who have been, I guess, considered patients, people who are currently sick and, you know, working through the system would say, this is not the, this is not the end of my story. You know, like they know that and they want to um, sort of manifest the next step. And so I love that they're able to share the journey. What ultimately do the client and user pharmaceutical companies, um, how do they utilize this information to do better, to Im impact change? Do you have any sense of what ends up happening um, on that end? Not as much. Well, not specifically, but I do know a lot of the information that they will um, take from, especially from interviews or, or um, focus groups that they gather will go back and um, definitely, you know, going back to the people who are creating the, the treatments and the drugs and being able to share with them, you know, what these people really are looking for you know, what are the unmet needs? You know, it's great if that fixes A, but really in our life, you know, point B is, is really what we, we are looking for, you know, some type of solution for. And so that really, I think is um, important because again, if you've never, you know, talked with anybody in depthly who is, you know, living with a chronic illness, you won't know that, oh, we always thought here, they want to be able to you know, do this. And really when you talk to these individuals, they're going, 
that's fine. But we really, really, this point is so much more important. And they would never have known that mm-hmm. unless they had um, spoken with these people. So I think that's, yeah. that's where, you know, just, you know, helping them understand where they should be focusing on and also just inspiring them and motivating them to continue to, um, to work on the, um, the drugs and, and whatever treatments are working on to, you know, just, you need that, you know, you need to see that the work you're doing is making a, a positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes me wonder if after doing this type of a project with you, do these patients then feel inspired to share in other ways, like maybe in support groups, maybe with their medical team, do they end up doing other types of sharing of their experience? Some have, you know, they've said that they now see, you know, they may decide to start a support group or join a support group and really be able, and you, you touched upon that because um, that really is important because I think so many of them do feel like they are walking this alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they, if they, you know, have found a support group, great, but by sharing their story, they realize, oh yeah, there are others out there who could also, you know, benefit from me sharing my journey with them. And so they will either, and a lot of them are already, you know, um, involved in um, different organizations or support groups, you know, through their, their um, hospitals or whatever um, facilities. And I think it just reinforces to them that, yeah, I need to, um, I need to do more mm-hmm. and, and get out there. Cause those are usually the, the individuals that were, um, that we're talking with. Yeah. I love it. I think once we open the door to allow patients to have a voice, um, not just only in isolation in the actual office visit, which is important as well, but just have a voice, have a voice in the world of like, this is what, what has happened, you know, here has, what has worked for me. Let me, you know, be a voice for others who maybe are in the early stages and can't find their voice. Um, I think it's, it's just, so, so fantastic. Has there been anything that has come up again, obviously without, you know, any identifying characteristics, but anything that's been surprising along the way for you or, um, or maybe even difficult to hear, um, any, any kind of, you know, shocking or unexpected insights that have come along the way through these experiences? You, um, definitely. And you kind of, you touched upon one that I'm glad you brought this back to this, um, because, a lot of them will say, I don't want to be defined by my illness. And I think a lot of them, you know, because a lot of them feel that way because they are so focused on their, you know, their, their healthcare and doctor's appointments. And, you know, um, if, if, you know, friends or anybody, you know, if they have a, if they have a visible, um, you know, um, illness or, you know, something that really affects their life out in the society, they want others to understand that, you know, I'm more than just this disease. And I think that really um, needs to come out more um, for, you know, for medical professionals, you know, when you're in a doctor's appointment, yes, you want to focus on, you know, what's wrong with them, but you also want to treat them as a person, you know, that they have, you know, a family, they have friends, you know, they're more than just this little box that, you know, we're, we're checking off and also just out in society. And I think that's something that 
I really um, hadn't thought about um, before, you know, talking with them. And, you know, a lot of them have, you know, illnesses that aren't visible, you know, so you don't really realize what someone is going through um, until you, until you, you know, talk with them and you understand that, you know, they're, they're living with something that is constantly with them. Mm-hmm. And you may not understand that, but they do. And I think that's really um, what I've seen, you know, what I've, what I've gathered from there, um, from these conversations is just that um, people do need to really look at um, individuals who are living with some type of disease as, as more than just, you know, that disease, mm-hmm. but, you know, a person in a whole. Yeah. That's definitely come up multiple times in people that I've interviewed on, on this podcast is the sort of defining of me as this, you know, me Mm -hmm. as a cancer patient, me as an MS patient. And, um, and then it's like, you know, everything I was before or the roles and titles I had before are no longer even a, you know, remote match for now, this heavy diagnosis that has become my identity. And while understandably they are living in this state of, you know, illness, acute illness, chronic illness. Um, there is so much more to each of them. And there, there was before the minute the diagnosis hit and there still will be afterwards, but it does become a very defining moment. And, um, I, I hear and see many of them want sort of out of that box and into like, I I'm still living my life. This is just a thing. This is just a thing that's going on. Like any other thing that's going on. It's, well, exactly. And they have so much more to offer um, people. It's like, yeah, I'm dealing with this, but I can still, you know, offer you this or, you know, provide this, um, you know, work-wise or whatever it might be. And I, I think you're right. You know, we just need to be able to um, remember that as we're, um, you know, working alongside them or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the, the work that your organization is doing. I didn't even realize that this type of thing was happening, but I think it's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about how it, it came about what, what um, motivated this to be an action, a task within your company? Definitely. Well, and, and um, so the company I work for patient power was founded by Andrew Shore, who um, was a cancer um, patient and realized, I think he's, he's had about three patient, um, cancers and he just continues you know, to, um, to just be engaged with the, um, the healthcare industry regarding this because he realized during his treatments that he couldn't find resources you know, that, were, um, that were credible or that you know, he felt like a support system. So he created and founded with his wife, Esther, Patient Power. And mainly it was focused on um, providing a, a place for resource for cancer patients. So they would be able to come in. And then he started working with pharmaceutical companies, you know, just being able to um, you know, speak with them because he really did become such a, a, a vocal advocate for his disease. and. Somehow it started where we'd like to meal, we'd like to talk with other patients, you know, similar to you. And that's how um, patient engagement was created to be able to, you know, find these patients who we, we have relationships with so many of them, especially in, in the cancer um, 
realm that we were able to provide those um, you know, voices to our pharmaceutical customers. And then they started realizing, well, you probably you know, know people who have MS or you know, Parkinson's. Would you be able to connect us with those individuals? And so we um, have branched out into a wide range of um, disease states and, and medical conditions in addition to the original um, cancer um, wow. disease state. Yeah, so it's it's been a really wonderful journey to watch and, and to know um, Andrew, the founder, and Esther, his wife, that they really, they, they um, I want what do you say, the walk the walk, or they, they do what they say, you know, it's, they are right in there. Um, talking with everyone and, and just trying to, you know, create more conversations. I love that. I actually watched um, their video this morning of, of, of and I, I love, love the story, love their energy. And yeah. I, I love, I love how this has evolved. I think that's the, that's the most beautiful thing is to watch what is like an, an initial seed of, I want to do this. And it just branches out into this amazing that like, maybe nobody ever thought of <laughs> nobody. They, maybe they never expect, expected it to be this, yeah. but it's what evolved. Cause that's what was needed. That's just what, it, and that's the beauty of, of the way things work. It's, it's so true. And, and we haven't really touched upon this too, but when you mentioned, you know, Andrew and Esther, a lot of times, you know, we focus so much on the patient, but also the care partner also is, you know, going along in this journey. And I'm sure with your work that you, you know, have that relationship too. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's important to talk with them because they have a little bit different perspective Mm -hmm. on the journey, but they're, they're right along with it. And so it's, it's, it's good if you have a chance to bring in the care partner or partners, you know, in the family who are actually, you know, living, you know, and and dealing with this disease just in a different way. Fully agreed. Yeah. They're often not, um, necessarily a priority in the healthcare system because of the time limitations, we can barely get, you know, to what we need to with the patient. And so oftentimes the caregivers are just kind of figuring it out and, um, not a whole lot of support for them. So yeah, I loved Esther's part of that story. All right. We've got Ashley coming in. So let's go ahead and, and get her in here. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Good to have you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So Julie and I have just been chatting a little bit about what she does. And I told her, her, and I have to keep looking because I have to make sure I get the title right. She's a patient engagement manager. And I told her like, you know, maybe six years ago before I started my company, I, I would have looked for a job with that title. Um, but yeah, so just really great to, to hear all the amazing work she's, she's doing. And so it actually is a great time to, to bring you on. And so we can learn more about you too. So thanks for coming on, Ashley. Wonderful. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, let's start with a little bit of a synopsis of sort of, um, you know, what, well, you know, we started this conversation because you had, you both commented on a LinkedIn post of mine. And I thought, well, this would be a really great way to have a panel talk about patient experience. And so you're coming in from a more clinical, um, you know, standpoint with regard to clinical pharmacy. And so, um, I would love to know a little bit about your background and then specifically what experience, you had that motivated you to comment about patient experience and in your thoughts on that. Sure. 
So I am a hospital pharmacist and sports pharmacist, kind of like two separate jobs, even though I combine them. But um, I work, I've worked for my whole entire career in hospital pharmacy. And for pretty much that whole time, I've been a clinical pharmacist. And as soon as it was possible, I became a preceptor. And I, you know, while I was in pharmacy school, I, I always felt like I had that empathy for patients and just understanding where people are coming from in general, you know, as I feel like a lot of healthcare providers do, that's why we go into this, right? But um, at the same time, we just, you know, when you first get out of pharmacy school, you have that kind of that hurdle that you have to get over to, to feel comfortable talking to people, talking to patients. And, um, and I recall when I first got out of school, I just didn't have that, that confidence or that, you know, that initiative to, to take and, and go talk to patients. And one of my bosses early on said to me, well, you do know the answers and you also know the questions you're going to ask. <laughs> so, you know, you need to, need to uh, understand that, that you are the expert and then just gear it towards your audience. And, you know, I really, I took that to heart and, um, and I just did a, a lot of practice, you know, over the years, just, just going and talking to people and, and knocking on the doors and walking into the patient's rooms and introducing myself. And I had a, several good mentors along the way. Um, and then I was working at a, uh, well, I don't know if they exist anymore, but at the time it was called the Plane Tree Hospital. And that philosophy really established a foundation for, for me to have a very patient-centered approach. And while I was working at my very first hospital out of school, we did patient sensitivity training. And it was very um, you know, they really put us into the role of the patient, especially if we hadn't ha been the patient before. And that's where I actually learned a lot of the techniques and figured out the wording to use. And, you know, once you get into flow, then some of the things that you say become so automatic, you know, like, like oftentimes when I go now into a patient's room to talk to them about their medications, my opening line is, I know a lot of people have already talked to you about all the medications you were taking at home before coming to the hospital, but I'm the pharmacist and I like to make sure it's complete. So let's talk about what you were taking before coming to the hospital. And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I can just look at that person and engage with them or engage with a family member just from having those words, you know, kind of that set structure um, in, in place. So, um, so I can tell you a little bit more about the patient sensitivity training that we did and how, how I modeled it and, you know, ended up implementing that for my other students and the pharmacy technicians that I trained. But um, I know I'm kind of jumping into the the middle of the conversation too. So yeah, no, you're, you you're doing great. Just, you just jumped right in perfectly. You're all good. Um, so yeah, there's a few things there that I would love to dig further into in the time we have left, which is about 15 minutes ish. Um, yes. To the patient sensitivity training. I would love to know what that looked like um, and how, how you were able to take parts of that lar large parts of it and, and put it into practice. You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I would love to know what, what the actual training looked like. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had about three books that we had to read for the sensitivity training course. And it was a very small hospital, a 24 bed hospital. And so we, it was um, pretty much the whole, the whole team, you know, everybody from EVS and kitchen staff, you know, all the clinical staff, we all had to do this, this same training. And um, the, 
they had um, people who were trained in, in basically what is now called motivational interviewing. They would come and we would do case-based scenarios. And so they would take real cases, um, things that were real similar to what we had seen in our hospital. And we worked with a lot of uh, Navajo uh, patients. And so, you know, doing cultural sensitivity training was a big part of it as well. Um, but the, the books that we read were really about, you know, how, how do you center yourself to be open to understanding that person, you know, but um, uh, to be able to, to help them heal, to help them get to a place of healing by being kind of grounded in yourself. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I wish this philosophy were still just integrated into every healthcare practice. It would be, you know, wonderful. But, um, but outside of the books, a lot of it was going through actual scenarios that they set up for us so that we could just, you know, get over that, that hurdle of not feeling comfortable and get those words in place and, and get the practice. And so um, they had people who were posing as patients come in and do the full acting of it. And then when I took some of those concepts and implemented it into my practice in teaching my pharmacy, um, I, I worked with training pharmacy technicians to be med history technicians. And so when I did that training for them, if they didn't have experience as a patient themselves or having a family member go through the hospital system from the time that they entered into ED all the way through to the admin and discharge, then I actually had them take a full day of going through that process themselves. And so, you know, we would have them go sit in the emergency room for a couple of hours and you know, see the doctors for 10 minutes and the nurse for 10 minutes and have them wait the rest of the time and, you know, give them bits and pieces of information and um, so that they have that experience of, of how do I weave all this information together when I'm not the expert, you know, mm -hmm. and so they, they could see how it was kind of a piecemeal system and how that they could bridge those gaps. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what we do as, as pharmacists in general is kind of, you know, fill in some answers and uh, reinforce what the other, you know, clinicians are saying and using different words and, you know, different ways to, to teach the patients in that way. And, and um, so much of it is understanding where the patient is, what, what their starting point is with their understanding. And so when I was training the pharmacy student or the pharmacy technicians as well, we would go through those scenarios of, um, did this patient receive pain medications? Is now a good time to ask those questions? You know, did you ask them if they carry a list of medications with them? Can we work from that? Is it better to call a family member and discuss this first and get that baseline and come back to talk to the patient later? And you know, just understanding their current situation is it's important for us to get the list of medications, but it's sometimes not the most important thing to happen right now. And so, you know, being sensitive to the patient's needs, but also what is happening in the environment around them. And, um, and then the same thing with pharmacy, my pharmacy students, if they hadn't uh, been, um, you know, in the case of like when I did pharmacy, um, student training for sports pharmacists, if they hadn't been an athlete themselves who had been through the training and anti-doping testing process, then I would try to you know, mentally put them in that place and walk them through that so that they had the sensitivity of understanding how you know, that's, 
that is kind of a, a you know a personal violation that those athletes have to, to submit to as part of their job requirement, you know, and just understanding that perspective, that patient perspective. So, you know, a lot of it, like we talked about online, I think a little bit, um, humanizing the person, you know, keeping the human in the whole thing and understanding that that person has emotions that we, you know, that we need to recognize and deal with, but it, it can change from moment to moment in, in the environment. So, yeah. I love that. It actually makes me think, and I'll, I'll have Julie, um, chime in too on, on her thoughts on that, but it makes me think of a few things. One is when I went through pharmacy school, we had none of this, but what we, you know, what we had is what was like a verbal defense, which was, you know, a, a role play case, but it was role play and then defend your, you know, treatment recommendation choices by journal articles, you know, evidence-based medicine. It had really nothing, very little to do with the actual person behind the recommendations and what the journal said. Right. So I, I see so much value in this, um, beyond just, you know, memorizing something or pulling the latest article and uh, meeting a person where they're at. And it also makes me think of, I heard, I don't know, a couple of years back that Disney world has these, um, strategically placed, I don't know what they're called, but they basically are looking for points of confusion. So they're looking, they're walking around the park and looking for, you know, where are there pockets of people looking like they don't know what, what they should be doing or where they should go. And then they're going there and trying to figure out what the problem is and fixing it. And I'm like, I mean, we need, so we could learn so much from non-healthcare entities. Um, so yeah, that, those are some of my thoughts, but Julie, did you want to say anything? I did. I um, I just love listening to you describe this this training and just the your um, attitude toward you know caring for the patients. But the thing that really you know hit me was your system is really looking at the patient as the whole person, not just like you said. And, and Claudia kind of commented on like here are the drugs. No, you're looking at you know what they have you know like at home. But also, I really. Um, like that you touched upon that you learn, you think about their cultural um, background, because that, especially if you're in an area where you may not be, um, you know, in the same um, environment or, you know, culture, being sensitive to that, I'm sure just makes a huge difference in these people's lives. So um, I was really impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before we completely wrap up, I don't know what plane tree is that you mentioned. Um, did Julie, do you know? I've not heard of that. Okay, good. So no. I'm not alone. I'm not afraid <laughs> to ask a stupid question anyway. So. <laughs> um, no, it sounds fascinating. So, so we want to inquiring minds yeah. want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was uh, 20 years ago now. So I, when I tried to look it up recently, just to use it for some new teaching that I'm doing, I didn't find that it actually exists as a healthcare system anymore. And it was just a couple of sister hospitals in, um, uh, it was Northern Arizona and in, in Colorado. And it was called Plaintree, P-L-A-N-E-T-R-E-E. And, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know for sure. I'd have, I'd have to look it up for sure, but I think it was the tree that Socrates sat under to come up with ideas or, you know, there was some significant meaning to it. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was all about whole person uh, healthcare and, you know, partnering with that individual so that they were involved in the decision-making process. And, and because we were, you know, in so many, um, uh, we were caring for so many different, um, 
um, Native Americans that we would obviously have to be sensitive to those um, the cultural needs, but also they weren't going to you know stay and participate in their care if we weren't being aware of their um, the things that they you know that they believe in. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that's true for any culture. I mean, the American culture, you know, we're very obsessed with taking medications and we're always looking for <laughs> the magic pill. But at the same time, you know, if you, if I, I, to me, that's the pharmacist role is how can we put the use of this medication into meaningful terms for the individual? You know, and a lot of times people are asking, is this okay for me? to take. I know that you can tell me what the studies show, but do I fit into that, you know, do, do I reflect who that study group was or am I an extension of that? You mm -hmm. know, will it work for me? So. Yeah. It makes it. me think of the distinct difference between, um, patient satisfaction and patient experience. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, physicians and other providers have been told so many times that we, you know, we've got to worry about patient satisfaction. And so, you know, they're, they're concerned about what's going to make the person happy or how to fulfill their expectation, which might be, they came in here with an upper respiratory tract infection and are seeking an antibiotic. So their satisfaction is tied to them getting an antibiotic, even if I think this is a viral infection. And so that <laughs> term has become frustrating for understandably for the medical system and, and the staff. Um, and I think the, term patient experience has a much different feel to it is, you know, what, what was their experience through the entire journey from the minute they walked into this facility until they walked out and then beyond what was their experience? Not necessarily, did they get the one prescription that they thought they needed, but did it, were, did it get explained to them that that wasn't a medication that was going to help them? And this is why, and that's part of the experience versus just, did you fulfill my expectations, which may not have been very educated only because they didn't understand. And did we, did we do a good job at explaining? So I think that that distinction is really important. And that kind of uh, what you just mentioned made me yeah. think about that. That's a great point. Well, we it have, really um, about four minutes left. So I would love to know what either of you, um, what else you would like to share in the time that we have left with regard to this topic of patient experience, what, you know, what its importance is, what you um, envision for the future of it. Um, so sort of la last thoughts. I, I'll jump in. Um, I've, I've, I'm so glad I was able to be part of this because I do see patient experience becoming um, more important in healthcare, you know, in, including pharmaceutical, you know. Um, and I just think it's continuing to evolve as we see um, how important it is to actually listen to the patient. And Claudia, I think, you know, just your description of patient satisfaction versus patient experience really touches upon how we need to make that distinction and that the patient experience, listening to them and also, you know, explaining to them um, what they need to know is, um, is really important. So I, I hope to continue seeing that. Yeah, love it. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so as you were saying that, it made me think of how um, a lot of times if I'm the patient myself and the, the doctor doesn't recognize what they're prescribing to me as something I'm already an expert in, you know, that kind of like 
I, I've gotten used to it over time, but it, it used to really get under my skin. Like you don't, you don't even recognize who I am in my knowledge base. And instead you're talking to me like this 12 year old level that you think you should, you know, um, gear things down for. And I think that is a good starting point for the conversation is to really know who the person is that you're talking to and where are they starting from. And so having those open-ended questions, you know, what have you been told so far about this medication? What did you research yourself and find out? You can tell me what you know, and then we'll work from there. And that helps personalize it for them and customize the information that you're giving and therefore makes them feel like a valued part of this conversation. And you know the other piece is that I'm currently doing the, uh, the ASHP certification for the wellness and resilience program. And you know just through that, I realized, I mean, I knew that I had burned out during the Delta wave and I de was depersonalizing patients, which is not me, that's not who I am. But um, now going through this, this well-being and resilience training, I recognized how, um, you know, having, uh, having your ability to, to ground yourself and, you know, stay, stay in your well-being is so um, useful to, to, to be real resilient in the whole process, but also to, you know, help those patients um, kind of get over their, you know, their sickness or their, um, wherever they are in their state of health to take just that next small step forward without dehumanizing them. But, you know, at the same time, um, giving them some power, you know, help just, just, just helping them recognize that a small step is the next step that they, they might need to take. And, and, you know, putting that into focus for them is where a pharmacist or any kind of clinician can, can really be that person to really impact the patient experience. Yes. And I agree that, um, self-care is so important. It's a term that's kind of gotten diluted and cliched a little bit, mm -hmm. but, but we can't pour from an empty cup. It's just the reality. And so, um, as we become more burnt out and depleted, it's going to impact our patients and their experience with us and, and how we're able to give to them because we haven't filled our cup yet. And so, yeah. um, super important. I'm glad that you're, you're um, taking that. It sounds like a fantastic course. So <laughs> I appreciate this discussion, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. I uh, know that it will be valuable to whomever it draws in to listen to and, um, really appreciate the time you've taken out today. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for so inviting much. us. <laughs> A huge thank you to Julie and Ashley for sharing their experience and insights into the world of really including the patient journey and story. I think that that is such an important piece and the more we highlight it, the more hopefully others in the field will be inspired to do the same and take that momentum even further. If you enjoyed this episode or any previous episode, as always, I so appreciate the time to take to leave an honest review on iTunes. It helps others find this podcast as well. Have an amazing couple weeks and I'll see you here soon. Bye.